Welcome to today's issues. Join us for the next hour as we offer a Christian response to the issues of the day. Here's your host, Ed Vitagliano. And welcome to today's issues. Ed Vitagliano sitting in for Tim Wildman today. I'm joined in studio by Fred Jackson. Good morning, Fred. Good morning, Ed. Welcome back. Yes. I took all last week off. Uh, well, we had a couple of days. And um, this is the way my life usually has gone for the last 64 years. So Friday afternoon, I start. Saturday morning, I come down with the flu. <laughs> the flu went through the whole household the whole week. So happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to me. <laughs> anyway, I, I, listen, it's... Uh, uh, it it can be worse, and in some households, it was worse. I heard of one person, one family, had the flu and COVID going through. Oh, I know. Um, so uh, anyway, it's that time of the year, and our our uh, immune systems are basically shot from all the lockdowns. And so, so you did you have cranberry sauce with that Tylenol? No, <laughs> no, we uh, we did actually. As I oh, about let me let me say hi to Chris Woodward. Good, Chris, good morning. Good morning to you. Okay, so now Fred and I are going to continue our conversation. Um, we usually, as I mentioned before, when I was expecting us to have a normal Thanksgiving week, that we uh, that we do get ribs, right, right, for, right, for right. Thanksgiving. So we, we had you know ribs and the and the fixings, and so the cranberry sauce just doesn't go with that. Oh, so no. we skipped the cranberry sauce. Okay. So how was your Thanksgiving week? It was really nice. We had uh, our home base here in Tupelo, Mississippi. We had some very nice weather. Uh, over the Thanksgiving break, and we actually had our Thanksgiving meal outside on our patio. Oh. On our picnic table. Nice. And we were saying that's the first time we've been here about 25 years. Yeah. First time that that happened. It was beautiful weather. Yeah. So we enjoyed it. Uh, feeling sorry for those folks up north. Oh, yeah. Jan Markell in Minnesota and uh, other places up there. Every time Jan comes on <laughs> with us. Uh, what's the weather? Yeah, what's the weather like up there? Well, Chris, and, how was? Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say we're we're hoping that Steve Tiber was able to dig out from six feet of snow. That was something. I oh. sent around pictures that I that I found, you know, with the snow piled three foot on the t- on the top of vehicles. On the top of vehicles. Yes, yes, and that was fallen snow, not shoveled snow. That's right. As far as I could tell, so. it was tough. It was tough. All right, Chris, how how was your Thanksgiving? It was good. Uh, I stretched it across two days this year. Uh, work Thursday. Um, we went to my in-laws uh, on Thursday evening for supper, as we call it in these here parts. Uh, and uh, despite the big rivalry game in the great state of Mississippi, we're still on good speaking terms. Uh, and so we did my family's uh, gathering on Friday. All right. Good good times. All right. Well, folks, we hope you had an excellent uh, Thanksgiving week. Um, we, we all understand that sometimes um, our lives do not go according to the calendar. So for those of you who had uh, difficult times, we know in our part of the state where our flagship station is, Northeast Mississippi, they had some very troubling layoffs on Thanksgiving week. So those kind of things mm-hmm. happen in life without any regard to your plans or your calendars. So uh, folks, pray for your neighbors. If they're having struggles, maybe you can be a source of God's grace to them. Uh, because we have uh, weeks coming to the end of the year and Christmas, and there'll be uh, uh, good news, bad news for a lot of folks uh, on that front as well. Boy, I'm just bringing us all down here. So 
Um, all right, listen, folks, before we get started on the news, I do want to make mention of a very, very important action alert that AFA has going. If you go to afa.net, this concerns the, uh, the, the wrongly named Respect for Marriage Act, I should say deceptively mm-hmm. named Respect for Marriage Act, which is very close to being passed in the Senate. Uh, it is a, a an extreme threat to religious liberty without the amendment being proposed by Senator Mike Lee of Utah. There were last week uh, when this came out of committee, um, 12, I think, Fred, uh, yes. 12 U.S. senators on the Republican side of the aisle who voted for this. Mm-hmm. And uh, so... We and we weren't the only ones, but uh, we certainly hit those 12 U.S. senators to try to get them to support religious liberty protections. And we're asking you to contact your senator if they are one of the ones. Now, two, I think at this point, have backpedaled a little bit, but we still need at least one more. Ten Republicans, if 10 Republicans vote for the so called Respect for Marriage Act, it will pass. So I'm going to uh, name the ones that we sent out in our action alert. Mitt Romney, uh, Shelley Moore, uh, Capito, 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 Capito. Uh, Susan Collins, Cynthia Loomis, Dan Sullivan of Arkansas. I should name the states. Mitt Romney of Utah, Shelley Capito of uh, West Virginia, Susan Collins of Maine, Cynthia Loomis of Wyoming, Dan Sullivan of Alaska, Tom Tillis of North Carolina, Joni Ernst of Iowa. That was a surprise. Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, Todd Young of Indiana, also a surprise, Roy Blunt of Missouri, Richard Burr of North Carolina, Rob Portman of Ohio, those last three senators are retiring, so I don't know what they want their legacy to be, uh, if they want to uh, go out uh, after many years of serving their states, having passed, voted to pass a uh, a bill that will severely threaten religious liberty in this country, opening up colleges, universities, groups like ours, nonprofits to lawsuits. So go to afa.net. If you want to call your senator, and this vote is happening today, folks, so we need you to do something. We need you to do something today. Call your senators. Uh, and here is the U.S. Capitol switchboard phone number. To do that, 202-224-3121. That's 202-224-3121. If uh, you decide later, if you you didn't have a pen, couldn't write that down, you just Google U.S. Capitol Switchboard, and that number will pop up. And and even if you don't know, listen, if you don't know the name of your senators, that's understandable at times. Just ask when you call. Just tell them your state. You want the offices of your senators, especially if they're on that list that I just uh, read off. You know, this came up, uh, this issue came up in our Sunday school class yesterday. And I'm afraid there are still people who are being deceived by the fact that there was an amendment offered. And in very broad terms, we were told by a lot of these senators who are all in on this, that religious freedom is now protected because of this amendment. That is not true. It's not true. Uh, and, and 
underline that, folks. It is not true. If you get your senator, one of these senators on the lines, and they say, don't worry, we put that extra amendment in there, it's not true. Religious freedom is not protected in this. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Ed, what it does do is give a pastor some protection that they don't have to officiate at a homosexual wedding. That That's correct. And that and see, this is this is the thing. You just have to be aware that that even yes, even your senators will try the runaround. Yes. So they will say, listen, there are religious liberty protections. No, the the only protection that is in the so-called Respect for Marriage Act is protection for pastors. There is no protection for Christian colleges, Christian universities, other Christian schools, Christian daycares, daycare centers, nonprofit organizations like ours or others. There is no protection for the Jap Jack Phillips of this country yes. uh, who do not want to. Uh, this is I mean, we're, we're talking serious. These are these are serious threats. You tell your senators you want the Mike Lee amendment. Mike Lee, Senator Mike Lee of Utah, his amendment will protect all those groups that I just named. And the fact that the Democratic Party and these senators do not want to add that Mike Lee amendment should cause us all yes uh, at least to sit up and say well why yeah. why wouldn't you want to protect colleges and universities mm-hmm. or nonprofits it's mm-hmm. because this is a bill that in is intent the intent of it is to open up the courts to subjugate all groups and organizations that will not come out in favor of same sex marriage so folks we are asking you it is a desperate moment we need at least one more I'd like to have a half dozen who will backpedal and say they want the Mike Lee Amendment. We're talking Republican senators going to bat and doing the dirty work for the Democratic Party. Shame on these people. Mitt Romney, of course, people like that. Susan Collins, they have no shame uh, to begin with. But there are at least a half dozen on here that we may be able to get to Hmm. switch. Yes. From their original vote. Even those three senators who are retiring... Make sure you call them, too, and, and ask them, is, do you really want this as your legacy? Right. Do you really want to take religious freedom away from a Christian uh, daycare center? Right, Christian college, university. Christian colleges. Do you really want to take their freedoms away so that they would be forced to hire somebody who is a homosexual? Or if one of their staff members came out as a homosexual, that they couldn't fire them? Right. This protects people's religious rights to run their organizations according to their Christian beliefs. And those schools and universities, for example, would have to recognize same-sex marriages within the student body and their faculty and the administration. Folks, this is the real deal. Mm-hmm. Go to afa.net. It's right in the center of the page. Please get involved. I know we just came through Thanksgiving, but you cannot allow the radical left to slip this by while everyone's still having a little bit of a turkey hangover. So uh, today's the day. We need you on the barricades. Call up your senators. Let them know what you're thinking. Amen. All right, Chris, what's your first story? Well, in a story that you can find on AFN.net, Chinese authorities have eased some antivirus rules, but they've affirmed their zero uh, COVID strategy today. After protesters demanded President President Xi Jinping resign in the biggest show of opposition to the ruling Communist Party in decades. I've got a little bit of audio, but it's just to kind of take you to the scene here. 
It's audio of people shouting things in Mandarin, but you can make out they uh, they say the name Xi Jinping. Clip one. Now, people there are upset because in recent days, China announced what they determined to be a spike in COVID cases, and they wanted people to lock down again, not go out, have temperatures checked, all these kinds of uh, things that we're familiar with, having witnessed these things in China and other parts of the world since 2020. People took to the streets and started protesting these things, particularly in the Shanghai area. Um, and some are considering it one of the biggest moments in China since the Tiananmen Square situation back in the late 1980s, 1989, I believe it was. Um, I've got a little bit of audio here. Uh, this is Chinese-born Xi, or Xi Van Fleet on Fox and Friends talking about the situation in China. Clip two. It is a huge deal because for the first time since 1989, uh, student pro-democracy movement in Tiananmen Square, Chinese people are demanding not just to stop the uh, lockdown, they're demanding political changes. We hear slogans that we haven't heard for a long time, down with CCP, down with Xi Jinping, and they want uh, democracy, not an emperor, and they want freedom of speech and freedom of press. This is a huge deal, deal. and one thing we heard over and over is gave me liberty and gave me death. Wow. So, so one, one last thing, and then Fred, let's get your take on it. Now, in our story meeting this morning, uh, it was either you or Steve Jordahl showing me video, but the, the, the Chinese government, the communist Chinese government was actually welding doors shut on apartment buildings, right? If there were any COVID cases inside so that nobody could leave, but that also meant food couldn't go in. Yes, that was Steve that showed that video to you, but there have been reports like that as part of the lockdown, don't leave your homes, don't spread your germs to people kind of strategy that they've had. So they were they were welding doors shut to those apartment buildings. This dramatic footage. So, Fred, this is apparently a, a really big deal in terms of the uh, passion of this movement. Tiananmen Square, that's when you compare something to, to those kinds of uh, protests that's saying something. The Chinese government, for my understanding, the Chinese government is actually having some severe troubles and over the next 25 years, some severe challenges. But having these young people demand liberty or death, I mean, this is, this is one of those kinds of things that you see. We've, we see some of this going on in Iran and uh, some other places. Uh, this is a pretty dramatic moment here in China. It is, and it's just another example. By the way, uh, the Associated Press was reporting this morning that uh, the Chinese leadership in reaction to these protests are letting up a little bit, especially on the lockdowns of apartment buildings, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, it goes to a mentality that has taken place globally with regards to COVID, giving the government unprecedented powers, even in democracies, like here in the United States. Um, in, in Canada, there were hearings the last couple of weeks in Canada because we know what Prime Minister Trudeau did to those truckers that protest in Ottawa. Right. He basically, they were getting set in, in we're finding out from the hearings up there, they were getting set to send tanks in, army tanks in, to go after these truckers. Also, there was testimony last week at the hearings in Canada as to did the prime minister have the constitutional right to do what he did? Because what they did was basically start arresting the uh, the leadership 
and freezing their bank accounts, et cetera, et cetera. We learned from the testimony last week that President Joe Biden was calling, was calling Trudeau and saying, this is an embarrassment. You got to stop this up there. So this, this is the, <laughs> the leadership thinking, even in democracies, let alone China. China, you almost come to expect this kind of thinking. But even in democracies, they were using COVID as an excuse to really lock down the population. And I, I think there is an awakening in, in this country in particular. We talked about this a little bit last week. Uh, the, the Americans are not buying into the booster shots. You know, they, right. Fauci and others are saying, you know, go out and get your next booster. Uh, and they're worried that only 13% of Americans have done that so far. Uh, Americans are fed up with this because now we have science. You know, Fauci's always talking about follow the science. Right. Now we have science. We have scientific evidence. The vaccines don't keep you from getting it. The boosters don't keep you from getting it. Uh, and so people are saying, wait a minute, what, what is the point of this? What is the point of vaccination? What's the point of boosters? And, and so the American people have started to fight back. And in America, very often the way you fight back is you just say no to the government. I'm not, right. not going to do it. It's not working. I know I've mentioned uh, uh, in some of our interdepartmental meetings, whatever, that uh, I, I, our listeners know I watch hockey. Yeah. So when I watch the Boston Bruins, when the feed is coming from Boston, sometimes it's coming you know, from the National uh, Hockey League, they'll have a team and they're doing the play-by-play. But if it comes out of Boston, the local Boston group, they always run ads for boosters. <laughs> they, they do. They run these. They get, get, get boosted. They've been doing that for months. Yeah. Just uh, months on end, pushing the boosters. And the first time I saw that when the season started, I thought, are they still pushing boosters? Yeah. I mean, it seems to me people who – Want to get boosted? I've already done it. Those yeah. who don't want to get boosted, heaven. I got to say, uh, this may sound strange. There are major differences between a communist country like China and countries like Canada and the United States that are functioning democracies. But I will say this. there's not When it comes to a statist mentality, and by that I mean where you believe that the state should run people's lives. Mm. There's not a dime's worth of difference. That's right. Between what the communists do and what countries like ours and Canada do. The only difference is in the constitutional protections for liberty that we have in this country. But folks, you have to stand up. Yes. You have to stand up and hold on to those. Go to court if need be to defend those rights. The reason why the state has gotten so powerful in countries like ours and Canada is, I think, because the news media is on the side of the radical leftists and they are not holding the government to account. Yeah. If the media was doing its job, they would not get away with a lot of the stuff they were getting away with. That's right. Like the stuff you're talking about in Canada uh, under uh, uh, Trudeau, Th that kind of thing where you're I mean, the media should have been screaming. Oh, up yes. there about the treatment of those individuals mm -hmm. who were there to protest. And, of course, they were silent as lambs. It's interesting, this testimony coming out in the hearings in Canada last week, the uh, leadership up there uh, was quoting various bank CEOs who wanted the protesters um, described as terrorists. Oh, my goodness. To bring the government reaction to another level. And basically that's what happened in the end. I mean, you talk about 
getting people arrested, throwing them in prison. Gee, we didn't see that. Wait a minute. Now January 6th comes to mind right now. By the way, uh, we're moving on here, I know. But again, last week, there there was somebody that was sent, it's going to prison for years, three to four years, for simply being on Capitol Hill and maybe pushing somebody. Yeah. Three to four years for a simple assault. Didn't hurt them, just push somebody. This is going on right now in this country. And it's a forgotten story for the reason that you just pointed out. The media is not talking about it. Right. The media says insurrection, insurrection, insurrection. It was not an insurrection. Right. And, and you know, Mark Houck, we talked about him, the uh, pro-life advocate whose house got swatted. Yes. Oh, yeah. By the, by the FBI. Yes. With uh, 25 or 30 guys with guns and body armor coming in with uh, a wife and seven kids terrified and screaming. And part of the, the trickery that's going on here, to your point, is using words and labels like domestic terrorist. Yes. You know, uh, white nationalists. These are... We've heard from the Biden administration and President Joe Biden. These are threats to democracy. And once you elevate the language to that point, you almost excuse yourself in doing whatever you want to do to these kinds of people. Yeah. So, But you make a really good point. Uh, Yes, China is recognized as a communist government, but we have to be vigilant in this country. And thank God for pastors such as John MacArthur and others who fought the church lockdowns. Yes. Let's remind people. The governments, state governments, like in California, didn't have a problem with drink, uh, with bars being opened. Right, or casinos and places like Or casinos, but they said, no, churches are different. We're going to lock them down. Right. And unfortunately, there were a lot of pastors who just said, I'll just go along with this. And a lot of local law enforcement that went along with that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Folks, listen, our founding fathers did not underestimate the tendency of tyranny to creep in even to a republic like ours they always advocated eternal vigilance and as ronald reagan said uh liberty was was this uh, liberty is only one generation from disappearing yes. uh, some, something to that effect but uh anyway you, you got to stay vigilant you want to keep liberty for yourself your children, your grandchildren, you got to keep stay awake. Well, that's one reason why, like when we interview groups like uh, Alliance Defending Freedom or First Liberty Institute, Thomas More Society, who's representing Mark Houck, by the way, uh, I always, when I talk to one of their attorneys, I'll say things like, okay, so-and-so lives in, uh, I'll just throw out a state, Kansas here. But there's a lot of people listening or reading the forthcoming story that don't live there, and they think, well, that's unfortunate, but it doesn't impact me. Why should somebody in another state far away from that state, care about and pay attention to these issues. And oftentimes they'll get to the, look, if it happens to this guy, it's going to happen to you. And never think, well, it's just those liberal blue states where all this crazy stuff happens. Here in Mississippi, we had an instance during the early days of COVID where uh, police rolled up on a church where people were sitting in their cars listening to the sermon on the radio. And they were told, you can't gather like this and listen to the sermon on the radio. But the crazy, insane thing is in the state of Mississippi, not Michigan or California, in Mississippi, you could go to the drive-in restaurant across the street from the church and sit in your car and listen to the radio while you waited on your food. Yes, but was, you couldn't go to the church. That was that was one of the things that was being said about mm-hmm. that particular instance. And First Liberty represented you, that pastor. You can go to Sonic and sit in your car. You just can't go to the yeah. church. Go to the church and do it. It's insane. Yeah. So, folks, don't think it can't happen here. Mm-hmm. It not only can; it has been yes. happening here. And uh, there are forces at work. 
that want complete subjugation of the citizenry to the government. You know why? Because the government knows better. Yeah. The government has your best interests at heart. <laughs> uh, so um, stay on the alert. Don't forget to go to AFA.net. Here's one way you can fight back. Try to get the, uh, the tyrants to back off somewhat and uh, uh, go to the action alert about the so-called uh, Respect for Marriage Act. All right, we're going to take a short break, and we will be right back. You're listening to Today's Issues on the American Family Radio Network. When you hear this... This is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. Hey, we're going to Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, in June and September of 2023. And we're going to have a wonderful time seeing Washington and seeing Mount Vernon, the home of George Washington. We're going to go there on the Saturday. We're there. Everywhere we go, Stephen McDowell will be giving us a talk on the Christian heritage of America. And that's very important, and it's lost in much of our popular culture today. But Stephen McDowell of the Providence Foundation is a dear brother and has been going with me on these tours for many, many years. I just wouldn't do it without him. He is just an invaluable source, if you will, of information. So we're going to Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, and George Washington's Mount Vernon. And then we're also going to Jamestown, Williamsburg, and Yorktown. If you want to go with us, then go to the website spiritualheritagetours.com. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. Liberty University's K-12 Online Academy is the best of a homeschool, private school, and Bible-based education all rolled into one. With LUOA, you can take charge of your child's learning environment and create a structured yet flexible schedule that works for your family. Our qualified teachers are easily accessible for guidance and support along the way. And with new classes starting every Monday, it's never too late to make the switch to LUOA. To learn more, text LUOA to 88741. That's LUOA to 88741. Chris Marcris lost both of his legs to diabetes, but he hasn't let his medical issues stand in the way of living life. That's why he jumped out of an airplane over West Addison, Vermont, skydiving from 10,000 feet. It was a fairly uneventful trip until the landing. That's when Chris realized he was missing one of his prosthetic legs. It had blown off during the jump, a $20,000 leg now missing. So Chris went on Facebook and shared his dilemma. About 100 people turned out to search around the landing zone, and the following day, a farmer found the leg in the middle of a soybean field. A terrific story about humanity and the corona crisis. It's nice to know there are still folks out there across the fruited plain willing to lend a helping hand to get a guy back up on his feet. I would urge you to read my latest book, Culture Jihad, How to Stop the Left from Killing a Nation. It's available right now at your favorite bookstore and online at toddsterns.com. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Psalm 139, 23 through 24. American Family Radio.
This is today's issues. Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. Past broadcasts of today's issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of today's issues. And welcome back. Ed Vitagliano sitting in for Tim Wildman today. Today and today only, folks. Uh, Fred Jackson and Chris Woodward join me in studio. Guys, it, it occurs to me, it being November 28th, we are less than 30 days away from Christmas. That's right. That's right. And uh, Brent probably has the number of shopping days. The number of, sh- well, I guess I guess it would be 27. 27 shopping days until Christmas. Yep. yep. I just did that in my head. off Just off the top of my head. I got all mine done today because it's Cyber Monday. <laughs> Cyber Monday? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Everybody I got to ask my out. wife if we've got all our shopping done. <laughs> all right, Chris, take us onward and upward or... Onward and downward, whatever the stories, uh, wherever the stories may lead. Gotcha. Uh, at the end of the previous segment, when we were talking about the government and COVID restrictions, Ed had made the sa- uh, sarcastic comment that, you know, government knows best, right? Yes, that was sarcasm. Uh, it would appear uh, that the Biden administration uh, is uh, talking about taking steps to ease restrictions against Venezuela regarding its oil. This is part of the Biden administration's, and I'm using air quotes, strategy uh, to help pump more oil into the market. Rather than uh, increase domestic supplies, the Biden administration wants to okay some things regarding Venezuela and its oil. Um, That's a big concern because of Venezuela and how they operate their government and treat people. One person not happy about this idea is former House Speaker Newt Gingrich. He was on Fox and Friends this morning talking about the idea, clip four. Just one more anti-American act by the Biden administration. Uh, You know, Texas doesn't have a dictatorship problem. North Dakota doesn't have a dictatorship problem. Western Pennsylvania doesn't have a dictatorship problem. Why is it that the place they select to buy more oil happens to have a dictatorship? And by the way, the idea that he's going to give up the dictatorship because Biden lets him pump oil is just silly. Uh, But watch them with Iran, watch them with Saudi Arabia. He's now forgiven the crown prince of Saudi Arabia for the killing of a journalist because he wants the oil. Uh, Again and again, you see the Biden administration make decisions which hurt Americans. They've also been going around the world promising to give away billions of dollars to dictatorships in the name of climate change. But these are dictatorships that are corrupt and that we have no reason to believe American taxpayers owe them a penny. So there's a continuing process here of weakening America and finding a way to help dictators. You know, Fred, the um, the old idea of of the ripple effect of tossing a stone into a pond, yeah. it produces ripples that reach all the way to the shore, et cetera, et cetera. The Biden administration's first act, President Biden's first act when he was inaugurated, was to declare his war on and sign executive orders on fossil fuel production in this country. And he has continued to wage war against fossil fuels, even recently within the last couple of months, saying, gonna, you know, going to shut down the coal industry, the Biden administration continuing to beat that drum. Uh, and uh, But this administration is continuing to pay the consequences, yeah. the ripple effect of those initial salvos against the fossil fuel industry in this country, they are paying the price. Well, Americans are paying the price, but politically 
the Biden administration is going to continue to have to go to countries like Venezuela, Saudi Arabia, et cetera, uh, in order to get the oil that we should have been pumping here, in order to get the fossil fuel production that we should have had here in our country. That was the point being made by the former speaker. Uh, but I don't see any intent on the part of the Biden administration to reverse course and correct its errors. What's astounding is <clears throat> this administration, the Biden administration, you know, because they're blaming Putin now, the invasion of Ukraine, yes. and that's put a strain on, on global energy supplies. If the Biden administration really wanted to put America first again, take care of our own people, he could come out and say, you know what? I didn't know Putin was going to invade Ukraine. Right. But here we are now. So uh, oil and gas industry, go to it. Yeah. Let's get Keystone going here. Let's let's finish that project off. Hey, oil and gas companies, you go out there. We're going to reduce the royalties that we charge on drilling and examining for oil and gas on on federal properties. Just go to it. We need it right now. But they're not. They didn't do that. Instead, they go to Venezuela. Thousands and thousands and thousands of Venezuelans are fleeing that dictatorship. Right. It's it's so cruel and so terrible to its people. So Biden sends his people over there and says, you know, um, Chevron, you go, uh, let's make a deal. Chevron, you go ahead and drill more there. Of course, uh, we'll get our oil and gas from there. And the the only, in trying to think this through, not that I understand Joe Biden's mind all the time, <laughs> but we're at the point that I think they're so beholding they're so beholding to the whole climate change uh, dictatorship that's going on in our globe right now. They're so beholding to them that they're willing to go to a dictatorship and say, please give us some oil and gas uh, instead of drilling here. And I, I think, you know, even even some liberals, I know what happened when uh, when he uh, went back to the Saudis again after the murder of that American journalist right. by the Saudis. Uh, we're not, the leadership of the Saudis hasn't admitted anything yet, uh, but we believe that's what happened because they went to a Saudi embassy, it was, and killed that journalist. But but here's, you know, the, there were liberals that were upset. What are you doing, Joe Biden? I have to believe there are even some liberals that are saying, in this country that are saying, what do you mean? You're helping to prop up a dictatorship in Venezuela. You're willing to do that. But you're not willing to uh, keep bringing coal out of the ground in this country and oil and gas. He could even say for a short period for the next year until we get through this or until the Putin invasion of Ukraine is over, whatever the case may be. But he's not even willing to do that. That's what has a lot of people shaking their heads and saying, what is what is it that that is in Joe Biden's mind that he's so beholding to these climate change people? And I'm afraid it goes to what many people believe is that the climate change is not really about climate at all. It right. is about, we're going back to where we talked about earlier in this program, it's about control. Right. It's about control. And the climate change wing of the Democratic Party controls the party. I'm so, afraid so. So in order to do what you're suggesting, 
you would think that for purely pragmatic reasons, yes, a president would change course. Yes. Because it is obviously having a devastating impact. I don't doubt that the Russian invasion of Ukraine has had an impact on global natural gas supplies, so on and so forth. My understanding is we're still waiting for the other shoe to drop when it comes to fertilizer and prices on food. Uh, absolutely has had a part to play, but... It would, for pragmatic reasons, even a Democratic president should be able to switch gears and go in the other direction for the sake of trying to fight inflation, trying to help people pay f- to fill up their cars uh, for heating costs coming up here as the weather continues to turn colder and we hit winter. Uh, but they can't because they are owned by the climate change people. They cannot lose that constituency. Mm. It, it, it is a uh, especially important issue to a lot of young people who have been brainwashed, frankly, my opinion, brainwashed in our nation's public schools and colleges and universities. You cannot turn your back on that voting block if you're a Democrat. Yeah. So the alternative is to go to <laughs> dictatorships like the Saudis yeah. and Venezuela mm. and beg for oil. Because it's a temporary stopgap measure. You cannot make the systemic changes that are necessary to bring prices back down. So uh, I think that they're just hoping to bide time, mm-hmm. the Biden administration biding time uh, for another two years till elections roll around for the White House as well. In other news, um, New York and New York City officials continue to get ripped for having uh, what many describe as soft on crime policies, um, you know, because they're they have no cash bail and you kind of slap people on the wrist for various things and say, don't do that again. Or you blame society for that person. Or in Manhattan, where you're just not going to prosecute sure. uh, uh, certain crimes any longer. Yeah. Prostitution and, mm-hmm. you know, minor theft, so on and so forth. Yeah, it's it's gotten really bad there in, a, in the Big Apple. Uh, there's apparently a push now as well, um, th- some legislation that would prevent landlords from performing background checks on tenants. In other words, you couldn't do a background check on somebody who wants to rent property you own to decide whether or not they should be able to rent from you. Uh, New York City officials don't want you to be able to do that. And I've got sound from a council member uh, in New York City. His name is Joe Borelli, and he's weighing in on New York City District Attorney Alvin Bragg's soft on crime policies. Clip five. As long as someone like Alvin Bragg is there, uh, New York City will never be as safe uh, as it was when uh, Rudy Giuliani and then Mike Bloomberg and then uh, even part of Bill de Blasio's term, uh, we had the safest large city in America. Unfortunately, New Yorkers are learning that you get what you deserve. They overwhelmingly elected this guy, Alvin Bragg, who promised on day one to do exactly what he was doing. Uh, he's not lying. He's not hiding. He's not shameful of how he wants to treat this office. Uh, and New Yorkers overwhelmingly elected it. Uh, they also, by the way, uh, Manhattanites overwhelmingly supported Kathy Hochul uh, and Lee Zeldin, her opponent, promised on day one to get rid of Alvin Bragg. So unfortunately, we're in this situation where Manhattanites are actually the ones causing this damage to themselves. You know, Fred, one of the stories that has kind of flown under the radar here with the uh, midterm elections is that the George Soros strategy mm-hmm. of funding these left-wing radical district attorneys and prosecutors worked again. Yeah, There was a bunch of them elected yeah. first time uh, because of Soros' money. And the problem is that 
those kinds of elections don't normally draw a lot of advertising dollars in terms of, you know, running ads on TV and so uh, so on and so forth. So that money coming from Soros groups, there is open society groups, uh, has a even bigger impact. Yeah. Because a lot of the more conservative candidates, you know, they may not run any ads or run very few. So that kind of has flown under the radar. And as Tim says, frequently, uh, as this guy was uh, Borelli, is that what he's a Joe city Borelli. councilman? Mm-hmm. Uh, as he was saying, you kind of get the government you deserve. And in Manhattan, now I don't know whether a lot of people who work in Manhattan live in Manhattan. I'm guessing some of them do or a lot of them, but. They're going to have to face increased crime, and you get the government you deserve. Yeah, this New York City's district attorney, Elvin Bragg, so far this year has downgraded 52% of all felony cases uh, to misdemeanors. Uh, I mean, basically, you have dangerous people. Uh, They've been charged with felonies. And what this guy, Elvin Bragg, has done in the name of equity. Right. And I think we need to have a discussion about equity. (laughs) <laughs> equity, folks, does not mean equal treatment. It means equality of outcome. Yes. And, and so what we're talking about here is, and many times it has to do with the race issue. Right. So if there are, if if you say a, a person of color uh, and they represent 12% of the population, but the people of color represent 60, uh, 60% of the people behind bars. Or, com- or arrested for felonies. Arrested for felonies. The left looks at that as an equity problem. Right. So we gotta let we gotta let a bunch of these people go. Right. Twelve percent of felonies only. Yes. Can be people of color. Yes. So that's where we are. And so it, all of a sudden, it has to do with the skin color of the person and not what they have done. Right. So that is why they're letting these people go. And and this thing that Chris mentions about uh, landlords. You're not allowed to do a check to see if the guy has been in prison for five years for chasing little girls. Arson. For arson. For arson. And and we we, we sit back and we shake our heads. you got to be kidding. But Borelli, I'm sorry, hits the nail on the head. New Yorkers, you voted for these people. Alvin Bragg said he would do this. Yes. He said he would do this. And they put an X by his name. Well, and Kathy Hochul, in her debate with Lee Zeldin, when Lee Zeldin was bringing up crime, she said, yeah. she said I don't know why the crime is such an important thing to you. <laughs> well, and I, I, I'll be honest. I was shocked that she was elected. I knew it was a long shot for Zeldin to beat Hochul. Yeah. But I was shocked with the amount of crime that has happened in New York City. And, I mean, it's all through the roof. Yes. Uh, that she got reelected. But yeah. those folks came out in droves for her. Yes. And I just, like Tim, I, I, I do have sympathy for the people who did not want to vote for that soft on crime garbage. They have to live in New York City, too. But the vast majority of people who voted for Kathy Hochul, all right, you, you get what you deserve. And I have zero sympathy for you. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's not just New York. Uh, Gretchen Whitmer in uh, Michigan. Right who basically locked down her state during yeah. COVID, and they put her back in office again. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm just not... Fetterman is now the senator from Pennsylvania. Yeah. Give me a break. Here's another guy, Fetterman. I'm sure he'll be 
uh, on the phone with Alvin Bragg because Fetterman has got the same idea uh, as lieutenant governor in the state of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let the bad guys go. Yeah, and so what? So here's the thing, folks. From a biblical perspective, if you do not punish crime, what do criminals do? <laughs> they keep committing crimes, and they get more brazen. Yes, and that is what we're seeing in these big cities. They used to. It used to be you don't go to that part of town. Yeah, because you could get carjacked. Mm. Now the carjackers are following people out to the suburbs and carjacking right there in their driveways. You go, wow, that's bold. Yeah. Well, nothing's going to happen. That's the way. That's the way the criminals are thinking. Yeah, I'll get a slap on the wrist. All right, Chris. Uh, let's circle back to use a sakiism and uh, go over something today that is COVID related. We talked about COVID earlier in the show. If uh, listeners are just now joining us in Washington D.C., schools there in the D.C. public school system once want students to show a negative test for COVID in order to get back to school this week. Um, some parents are pleased with this because they, you know, they agree with the policies that we want to flatten the curve and all that stuff. Uh, but some parents, including parents of color, are not happy with this uh, idea, this mentality. And I've got a couple of uh, comments here from D.C. parents Stacia Hall and Patrick Mara voicing their frustration over the school district's requirement that students receive a negative COVID test before returning to school. Clip nine. I spoke with some parents uh, just recently and we collectively expressed our grievances uh, about the D.C. government involved in parents' uh, family decisions and decisions regarding our children and our medical health. We want limited government involvement and we want them to stay out in disagreement fully with the mandates. Um, Where were the mandates, especially vaccine mandates, when the illegal immigrants were allowed to enter into our schools. This is another example of Democrat overreach in a big city. Uh, As it is, Griff, you know, D.C. students were out of school for the better part of a year. They were forced to undertake virtual learning. We lost a lot of kids. As they see a note of this disproportionately impacted uh, disadvantaged constituencies, there's a huge overlap there with the African-American community. And this is yet another barrier to learning in the District of Columbia. Uh, you know, Fred, um, th- this kind of thing, Those, by the way, those two parents clearly sounded like domestic terrorists to me. That's the way the department, that's the way the Department of Justice views these parents who speak up yeah. uh, about this kind of thing. Listen, I, 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 cert- I, on one hand, I can understand if you've got the flu or COVID running rampant in a community, I can understand you want to try to, to, you know, to keep that from spreading. But to just simply say we want, I, I don't know where they're going to get tests for all these kids. You know, you, they don't have a, an unlimited supply at CVS or Walgreens. So what happens then? Kids got to miss school until they can find a test and test uh, negative. As these two parents said, more of overreach. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, we have to go back to what the science now is telling us. And the science has told us that these kids, these young kids in particular, are at the lowest risk when it comes to demographics, uh, are at lowest risk for getting uh, COVID. Mm -hmm. And even if they have it, uh, passing it on. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's, we're we're still paying the price. And I, I get somewhat angry when I see the head of the teachers unions out there defending teachers mm-hmm. who said, you know, we're, we've got to keep our classes uh, locked down. 
I'll tell you what. This is why uh, Governor DeSantis in Florida got reelected. One of the big reasons he got reelected, because he went a different route in his state, and it is working. And as time goes on, we're seeing more and more and more that uh, the policies of Ron DeSantis uh, are working. Is basically open up schools. If your kid is sick, keep them home. Right. That should have been the case well, before COVID. Well, what's new yeah. about that? You know, and when I was a kid growing up, if I didn't feel well and I had the flu, uh, mom kept me home. Keep you home for a few days and then you'll go back. That's what parents did. You got a did. fever, you stay home. Well, it's the parents' decision, and the, the expectation was, on behalf of the school, mom and dad are going to be responsible, and they're going to keep their little boy, little girl home yeah. until they're feeling better. Um, this goes back weeks. Uh, we covered this, but every once in a while, something called the National Report Card comes out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's from Department of Education, and uh, it involves various findings when it comes to uh, reading and math for grades 4th and 8th. And that National Report Card showed that nationally – uh, fourth and eighth graders were behind on things like reading and math. And the big issue was COVID policies. The yes. the fact that, you know, people, kids were told you can't go to school. Um, kids had to all of a sudden start Zooming when they had no experience doing that whatsoever. It caused a lot of problems. And D.C. was one of those places that really had problems. Uh, and it was all because of COVID policies. It's amazing what's going on in our education system right now. And yet, you know, there is emphasis. I think our one of our reporters, Bob Kellogg, I believe he has a story on today about schools. <laughs> Talk about they're not teaching math and they're not teaching, you know, how to read. Uh, but they are emphasizing white privilege. Yes. Uh, that's happening out there. Mm-hmm. It, these are mandatory courses now in freshman classes and universities across the country. Right. And I think we have a story today about med schools Yeah. Uh, that are insisting on woke policies. But can you imagine, there's a mandatory course out there uh, that you have to take, that uh, you have to put down because you have white skin, the privileges that you have. And if you don't agree with the instructors, this is a mandatory course now. If you don't agree with the instructors, you fail the course. You have to agree to that philosophy, that worldview, or you fail. Well, listen, this, this is happening. It's, it, I'm trying to think of a metaphor that uh, would explain the explosive nature of what's happening. And not just in colleges and universities, it kind of started there, but it is now uh, – flying everywhere in our public schools. This kind of idea that you're just talking about, it might not be technically named uh, critical race theory where you're at, folks, Where, but but the ideas are there. And it, it has absolutely exploded throughout the Biden administration, through the government, through the military. And all, companies. And companies. This is, this is a huge issue. And the fact is, this idea has a corrosive effect on people's respect for this country, for our founders, and therefore our founding documents. This is all a corrosive effect. And my opinion is, it's being done on purpose to undermine faith in the Constitution yes. so that the cultural Marxists at some point can advocate for something else. You, you all the time hear members of the left, including Heavy hitters from the Democratic establishment like Hillary Clinton saying, let's get rid of the Electoral College. Yeah. Okay, once you start down that road mm-hmm. of peeling away 
the what the founders uh, established in the Constitution, you're at some point you're going to have people say, uh, "Let's just get rid of the whole thing." Yeah, we're going to pack the Supreme Court. We and now the nine members of the Supreme Court is not in the Constitution, but there is an antagonism and hostility towards the Constitution, and things like critical race theory are at the heart of it. Yes, and and you know, of course, the the left with the help of the media. But uh, they're out there saying, if you're opposed to this, you're racist. Yes. I mean, that word is just thrown around all the time. Uh, but fortunately, I, there are signs of rebellion. I keep going back to what happened uh, a year ago in Virginia, uh, where you had parents said, enough is enough. And we're seeing, and, and this story hasn't been told yet, but uh, elections, school board elections, that happened earlier this month across the country. You had a lot of school board members who were elected mm-hmm. that are against critical race theory. Right. So you're going to, and, and there was a philosophy that finally developed. I think it came out of the Virginia, what happened in Virginia. We got to start way down, you know, at city council, town council levels, right. uh, library board levels, uh, school board levels. That's where it has to start because that's where this <laughs> virus started. Yes. Virus of liberalism and indoctrination and CRT. It started down at the school, the elementary level. So we got to turn that around. And that is start. I think moms and dads are starting to realize this. And they're starting to say, for the sake of our kids, we've got to do something beyond complaining. Listen, this is the this is the strategy of George Soros. Yes. George Soros poured a bunch of money starting four years ago. Okay, into these local district attorney elections because he realized that's where a lot of the decisions get made. And now you have parents who are figuring that out when it comes to school and schooling. That's what's happening out there. And and I mean, it's kind of old school uh, to use that phrase. It is old school that if you want to change things, you've got to get yourself in positions where you have that authority to make the change. All right, five-minute break for news, and we will be right back. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.